Ready? Yeah. Good. So I'm here with James Bartholomew. Um, perhaps to start with, um, perhaps you could just explain a little about the museum and your plans and the idea behind it. Let's go from there. Okay. The idea for having a museum of communist terror came to me when I visited the House of Terror in Budapest which is a museum commemorating what was done by the Nazis and then the Soviets and the communists within Hungary and the terror that they inflicted on the populace, both the Nazis and the Soviets. And um, when I came out, um, I thought, my God, this is a, uh, a powerful, um, emotional depiction of what happened under communism and it told me things I didn't know. And um, I decided that at the same time, uh, in Britain, my children and their friends knew little or nothing about what happened under communism at all. Never mind sort of details of what happened in Hungary, which were little known, but they didn't know about Stalin, they didn't know about Lenin, they didn't know about the Khmer Rouge, they didn't know about Mao Zedong, they didn't know about any of the millions and millions of deaths that took place, whereas lots of people, the whole population virtually, knows about the Holocaust, uh, which obviously was a terrible thing, and it's quite right that it should be commemorated. But um, there is no equivalent uh, knowledge of communist terror, which actually resulted in the deaths of many more people. Uh, and why do you think that is, uh, that in a Western European democracy like ours, this memory is just not there? I think there's a combination of reasons. I think one reason, and it's only one, is that education in Britain, as in many other countries, is dominated by the left, and that they do not wish to remember it. And to the extent that they do remember it, Stalin and the collectivization of farms is in the curriculum, uh, they greywash it. Um, they don't say it didn't happen, they don't say it wasn't bad, but if I looked at a um, revision a book on the, on, uh, on the collectivization of farms, and it asked you to consider the pros and cons of the collectivization of farms. Um, considering the millions of people who died, I think that is obscene and absurd and um, and grotesque. And uh, I think that's what I mean by greywashing. It doesn't say people didn't die, but it says on the one hand, on the other hand, maybe it wasn't as bad as people. some people think. You know, it, there's a kind of revisionism that goes on. And that's partly because of the, you know, the teachers are and the, those who make the curriculum, those who write the textbooks. They're relying often on books by, by Marxists, I suspect. And I think that's an area which I, I personally would like to investigate and to try and lobby for changes in the, in the textbooks that are used. But I think that's not the only reason. I mean, other, there are other reasons. One is that it's... I mean, the Holocaust is very much a discrete one-off event. By you know, It's very identifiable and clear, whereas worldwide communism is more amorphous and, and you know, people can argue, people don't be associated. For example, obviously there are lots of Jewish people around the world who all feel very passionately and strongly about the Holocaust. There are not people of an identifiable sort who all feel angry and outraged by, by the communist terror. Um, there's been some um, surveys done, hasn't there, of um, opinion in Britain and recognition of names of of dictators and, and so on. Perhaps you could say a little about that. Yes, I mean, there was um, people associated with um, crimes against humanity. That, that's the that's the question. And uh, 16 to... I'll ask you to start that bit again. Yeah. 
Um, yes, yeah, 16 to 24-year-olds were asked uh, which people they associated with crimes against humanity. And um, nearly twice as many associated George W. Bush with crimes against humanity than Mao Zedong. Um, it is a stunning statistic, but it becomes understandable when you look at the next statistic, which asking people who they have and haven't heard of. 70% of that group of people have not heard of Mao Zedong. I think that's an extraordinary indictment of British education. Uh, I mean, there's the man who was at the head of the regime that killed more people than any other human being or group of human beings in history, and they haven't heard of him. Um, let alone of um, Pol Pot or um, any of the, the, the relatively smaller uh, communist leaders. Is that right? Quite so. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, by the way, did this, um, this sort of strange... Uh, uh, lack of recognition that, that 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 we know of has has this always been here in Britain? Do you think and in countries like this, or, or or is it is it a growing phenomenon? This sort of lack of recognition of the true horror of what communism has been able to provide to the world. I think if you had a graph, it would go up and down of recognition. At the time when I was young, and there was a day in the life of uh, Ivan Denisovich came out. There was enormous awareness of it, and Solzhenitsyn. Um, there was a great awareness, particularly of what happened in Russia. And Russia is, I suppose, gets more into people's consciousness because it is relatively close, uh, relatively similar culture and look of people. And so that gets people, um, and lots, lots of people died. Whereas, they say, East Germany, fewer people died. China, further away, very obviously a different race. And so, so I think that's why Russia has had a, a reasonable amount of recognition, but other countries have had less recognition, less knowledge. When I went to Hungary, I had no idea that tens of thousands had been taken to, to labor camps and died in the Soviet Union. Uh, I just didn't know about it. And, and, I, and I, I've been taking an interest in, in this area for many decades. And, uh, and you, as, as part of the work for this, have been um, speaking to some survivors uh, of this terror. Can you say a little about that? Well, when I conceived of the idea of having a museum, I thought one thing we ought to get as fast as possible is testimonies by survivors. One thing that really impressed me in the Budapest Museum was the testimony of people who'd actually been affected. You say, my name is so-and-so, and I went to this camp, and I saw people beaten up, and I, we were virtually starved. Um, so the testimonies dissolve scepticism. Um, and so I wanted to get uh, testimonies. So I've been trying uh, uh, to interview people as fast as I can with very limited resources. And I've interviewed, for example, a woman called Vera Lengsfield, who was a dissident in East Germany. She gave me a tour of the Stasi remand prison in Berlin. And I was able to interview her as we as we walked around. She showed me around this this um, this prison. I uh, interviewed a Romanian, both of whose parents were killed by the Securitate. And in Moscow, I interviewed a woman who was born in a gulag um, and uh, whose brother and father both died in that gulag. Uh, a rather moving and, and tragic interview, very, very poignant for me, I thought. And so I've been trying to interview them. I've got some more coming. And um, I think I want to gather as, as many of those as I can before they die. Yes, the the knowledge of this is dying out in that way as well. Of course, we've got to to remember the um, 
why do you think, other than the you said in the, in the teaching profession, but why else do you think that might be that this whole area is is so sort of it requires your work, it requires individuals to do the scurrying for the information themselves. Why, why do you think that is with this particular ideology? I'm not sure that I can offer any better uh, reasons than I already have. I, I just think it's the the left-wing teachers, the fact it's it's amorphous, and maybe also the fact that people of my generation who lived through the Cold War, who, in my case, who visited uh, communist countries when they were still communist, we sort of assumed that knowledge would continue. We didn't t take on the idea that... Um, that actually this needed to be perpetuated. This was important to perpetuate. It was inconceivable to us that people wouldn't continue to be horrified by communism because we had been horrified by it for, for most of our lives. And the idea that people would just forget was inconceivable to us. And, and now, belatedly, uh, I and others of, of my generation are think, looking with horror at how uh, young people don't know about it and are thus tempted by the apparent um, idealism of communist and neo-communist ideas. Anyone in particular you're thinking of? Well, I mean, the, 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 the support for, for Corbyn and MacDonald in the last election um, and the idea that Corbyn is heroic and wonderful um, is, is uh, shocking. To, to someone who's been through, uh, li or lived through the Cold War, and uh, and knowledge of what Mao did, what Lenin did, what Pol Pot did, I mean, one of the infographics that we've also already created, is a picture of Pol Pot, uh, Stalin, and um, and Mao as young men, saying these were idealistic young communists, all of them killed over a million people, and the point is that. I, this, the, the, this is the point that's difficult for, for young people who haven't seen it in action to grasp, that the idea may be idealistic and, and hopeful, but it, something about it always leads over and over again, instance after instance, to terror, death, starvation, economic disaster. And so it's, how, it's this sort of, a sort of desperate urgency to communicate that being idealistic doesn't mean the result is going to be heroic and wonderful. It could mean the exact opposite. The idealistic doesn't lead to the ideal. Exactly. Better put. Um, and, of course, we just saw that with um, or a version of this with, after the death of Castro, where uh, to the extent that uh, young people had heard of him, it seemed to be in this aura of chic, so uh, radical chic, admittedly, but... Well, even more with the case of uh, Che Guevara, who is uh, who is so extraordinarily good-looking and dynamic-looking, and has a, is an ideal face for posters, but you know was responsible for shooting people in a in a in a prison, and uh, some of them without without proper judicial process, and um, you know, but he unfortunately has this glamour, and and of course people don't really know what happens in in Cuba; they don't know uh, the true story, and. Um, I think, again, that's because, uh, again, another part of our media, our teachers, our media, our publishers, all tend to be left-wing. They don't want to know. You know, the BBC does not want to know. And so if you want to find out about political dissidents, people imprisoned within, in Cuba, uh, then you can. 
But you're not going to hear it on the BBC. You're not going to, it's not going to be an investigation. It's not going to be an expose. If there is, it'll be very rare. And so people have an impression that actually things are quite nice there. Uh, if you go there, it looks charmingly run down, I believe. I'm told, you know, I've had friends who've gone there, say they had a lovely time, you know, nice people. And they're just not getting it. They're not, they don't know about um, what, what, what happens there, what has happened. Just to clarify, you're saying that there's a you think that that silence is caused by a, a culpability, a, a sense of culpability in these crimes, or in on the, or in simply the, um, an urge to go around it one more time, or I mean, being deliberately silent on something like this for a political reason has to have a a cause behind it, doesn't it? Yes, I think it does. I think if, if you are very sympathetic to left-wing or even extreme left-wing ideas, you feel, say, outraged by capitalism, outraged by, by inequality, you're looking for a way to deal, to, to, to as it were, find a policy way of, of expressing your outrage. And uh, a neo-communist idea of more equalization of wealth. I mean, equalization, the whole concept of equality, is now a, a kind of euphemism for, for communism. I mean, what is... Do people really want equality? Do they know what equality entails? It entails taking money from a man who's worked all day and giving it to a man who's gambled away what money he had the pre the, on the same day. Now, that is equality. Most people would not regard it as fairness. Equality and fairness are directly opposed to each other. And... But people don't wish to consider those matters, and it's as a result of this sort of double think. They they are very um, amenable to the ideas of communism that brings about greater equality. What they should be doing, of course, in my view, is is caring about poverty. But no, they got onto the idea of equality, which is, as far as I'm concerned, a dangerous euphemism for for, for neo-communist ideas, which they haven't really thought through. But it all springs from a an idealism. A desire to make things better for people, and that's in a way the the tragic thing about it. They want to make things better, and want to make help people who want, who are idealistic and good to understand how these sort of things can go wrong. We'll try the introduction first, and then we'll get a little bit on the museum, and then we'll see how we feel after that. You better just ask me questions. Okay. And I'll, so I'll if, you, if you just want to start with um, introduction. My name is James Bartholomew, and then we'll do the sort of museum title there, if we could. My name is James Bartholomew. I am the founder of an organisation which is seeking to create a museum of communist terror. Great. And then if you just want us to make... Um, I just, want, I just want to make sure... I, we definitely have to get the museum part in. Yeah. We've got it once, so I just wanted to get it one yeah. more time. So perhaps you could... Perhaps you just... Um, Perhaps you could tell us what you're seeking to do with the uh, museum initiative you have. The idea of the Museum of Communist Terror is to educate and inform, particularly young people, but everybody, about what happened under communism and the deaths, terror, starvation, and so forth that took place. Great. Anything else you want to do? We all good. I think we've got the, the yeah. contemporary bit there. Okay. Can, can you do, can I just add, add, add one other thing? Is about the other activities. Can, could you yeah, just yeah, ask yeah. me whether there be any other activities? Yes, absolutely. Uh, so, what other activities do you um, foresee for this uh, museum? Well, an actual physical museum is a huge enterprise, and in the meantime, what we can do very quickly is to do social media with 
mini-films of interviews with people who suffered under communism, infographics. We can also do and organise lectures and talks and films for schools and universities. And uh, we can also lobby for changes in the curriculum and the way, way things are taught and what is taught. Okay.